Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, and we're coming to you from our uh, newest location. Uh, we've moved into a new building, and uh, we're here at uh, 2950 Colorful Avenue, and if you're in town, please come and pay pay us a visit. And uh, if you missed our sermon on Sunday morning, it's whitefieldschurch.com. And this past week, uh, Brian Lim uh, preached for us, and uh, he is he is one of our uh, next-gen um, leaders uh, leading the, the high school, high school-level youth. And it's great to have him and his wife on board in that capacity. And he he brought the brought the word for us from First Timothy chapter one, uh, verses three through seventeen. And uh, uh, great word. So if you haven't uh, been able to listen to that, we just encourage you to do that. But one of the one of the things he talked about from from verse nine. Well, I can read from verse eight. But now we know that the law is good if one is uses it lawfully, understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and. Od- and disobedient for the ungodly and sinners. And, uh, and then Brian brought up this point that if murder was made legal today, that most people would probably not start murdering their neighbors. And so the question arises, you know, where, where does then our morality come from if people are not necessarily getting their morality from the Bible? Where is that morality coming from? Because, you know, as society... You know, things have become legal, become illegal. You know, there have been waves in our society as to what's right, what's wrong. And so the question is then, kind of where where does our morality come from? Yeah, and that's a good question. And I think the answer to it is is kind of twofold. Or maybe maybe not, but let's let's just kind of dive in and, and we'll see where it goes. So one one take on this that we have to uh, address is the fact that according to the Bible, Morality comes from God, right? So God, as the perfect one, he is the standard of what is right and what is good. And therefore, our morality is essentially based on God and his character. And so when we we are talking about not lying, right? We're talking about integrity. Again, that comes from the fact that God is holy and God has integrity, that God does what he says. He keeps his promises. Um, When it comes to murder, not acting maliciously, that comes from the fact that God is benevolent, right? And so basically all of our morality, if we go back to this, the Bible would say this, and I think that we can back this up and and say that we agree, is that uh, it comes from the person of God. That's who, that's where our morality derives from. Now, there are things which are in inherently like obvious to us that they're wrong. I think murder is a kind of low hanging fruit, right? Because in most societies of the world, murder is considered to be wrong. Rape is considered to be wrong. Child abuse is considered to be wrong. Now, here's what's interesting. There are actually exceptions to that. We were talking about earlier, a very famous book, uh, Peace Child by Don Richardson, in which uh, Don had been a missionary to the uh, some, some people group in Papua New Guinea. And those people did not think that lying was wrong and they didn't think that murder was even wrong. Uh, in fact, they thought uh, that treachery was a virtue, maybe even this supreme virtue. And so it's so interesting, you know, when he presented them with the gospel, they actually thought that Judas Iscariot was the hero of the story. And so that just goes to point out that while, uh, while most cultures around the world would view uh, murder as obviously wrong, Not all do. Same with lying. Same with perhaps rape or child abuse. There are places where those things are considered okay. Now, just because those things are considered okay 
does that make them okay? And I think the answer without question is no. There is an objective morality. The question is how uh, inept are we, or sorry, let's put it this way. How able are we to realize or recognize the morality. And actually, that our whole law system is based on that. That's why laws change over time is because we're essentially coming back and revisiting something and saying, okay, well, we thought in the past that this was okay, but now we don't. Or we thought in the past that this was not okay, and now we do. Essentially, we're, we're saying there is some target that we're shooting at, and maybe we missed in the past, but now we're going to, to try and get it right. So essentially, we, we're by having laws, we are acknowledging the fact that there is an objective right and wrong out there. Now, the question is really our ability to be able to discern what is right and wrong and where does that come from? Now, with a case like murder or these things that are pretty obvious where there's almost almost 100% consensus, um, I think that we can go back to a place like Romans chapter 1 where it says that what can be known about God uh, is obvious to everyone just by observing nature, by observing the way that we're built. And what that means is that for most people, the issue is not one of lack of knowledge, but it's lack of uh, submission to God. And so there are those issues. But then, then Paul himself later says in that same letter in Romans chapter 7, he says, the law showed me what sin was. In one case, he points out, covetousness. He says, I would not have known that covetousness was a sin if the law didn't tell me, do not covet. He says, but when the law told me, do not covet, it made me realize that what I was doing was actually breaking the law. So whereas, for example, and Brian brought this up in Philippians three, Paul says that in his own mind, according to the law, he was blameless. He says, but yeah, but then he understood the law more clearly to point out that covetousness is a sin. Now, my point in bringing that up is this, whereas most people would agree, even without the Bible, that killing people, murdering people uh, is a sin. You know, covetousness is one of those areas where it's maybe not as obvious, right? Where it's, okay, being jealous, wanting something that someone else has, uh, being consumed with thoughts about getting something that's, that's not yours, um, that that's a sin. It might not be obvious to everybody. We, we actually need the law to tell us that. And so that, uh, I think that would be the difference. So the, the Bible tells us about morality in some cases so that it helps us see our, our own sinfulness. And a good example of this would be the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, right? Where he says, now you, you people who say, hey, I've never killed anybody. I'm not that bad. He says, okay, but have you ever looked at someone with hate in your heart? Have you ever called them a name, you know, called them a fool? And he says, if you have, well, then you, you've, um, you're as guilty as a murderer of committing sin. And the point is that that might not have been so obvious to someone. It might need to be pointed out, right? So you might, you might not have had a, uh, an affair, but if you've looked at a, another person with lust in your heart, you've sinned in your heart. And so Jesus is pointing this out to help us realize something that may not be immediately obvious to us. So, to summarize, there is an objective morality. It's based in the person of God. Uh, there are some things that are obviously clear to most people, but then there are other things which might not be clear, and we need, uh, I guess you'd call it direct revelation to tell us that. And what about the aspect of, you know, spiritual blindness? I mean, some of the, some of the things, you know, we're just, we're just blind to the fact that we need a Savior until God reveals that to us, you know, Yeah, when we're for sure. confronted, you know, 
it's like going to the doctor you, for a regular checkup, and then he tells you, well, you've got a major heart defect, or you've got this. You didn't know anything was wrong. You just kind of went, but it, it took somebody to point that out, to, to show it to you before you come to face-to-face with that reality. Yeah, you know? that's an important aspect for sure. You know, yeah, and you know that's something that Paul Paul brings up. You know, the the, the fact that the, those that are in the flesh, they they only they don't see the things of the spirit, you know, at all until, of course, the Holy Spirit comes. And but one of the other things that we talked about uh, along this line is that is that you know when you look at this list, you know, in talking about, you know, um, he has this whole list here in in, in verse nine. Uh, the unholy, the profane, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers. And the idea was that, you know, when you think about it, about Christians, you know, is our whole purpose as Christians to be, you know, self-deprecating, you know, kind of always going on that, well, we're just losers and we need grace and and we need all this kind of stuff and kind of living in that mindset. What What kind of mindset? You know, Paul says, well, I'm a chief of sinners, you know, it's like, like the longer it seemed like he went on his ministry, in his ministry, he just seemed to get. He seemed to be like, "Well, I'm just the worst of the worst," you know. You know what? What kind of mindset are we supposed to have as Christians? Yeah, I mean, we need to have two, right? Because in Ephesians, he he goes in this whole the first chapter of Ephesians, he talks about who we are in Christ. We're adopted. We're redeemed. You know, we we have been seated in the heavenly places. We have every blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Um, and so, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, is the purpose of Christianity just to be down on ourselves? And, um, and I think that there's uh, a lot that's been said on this, uh, in Christianity, but I think it's summarized very well in Paul's words here in first Timothy chapter one, where he says, this saying is true and worthy of full acceptance that Christ died for sinners of whom I am the foremost. And what that means is that these two things are true at the same time, but I would say one of them is more important than the other. Okay. So the two things are, I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior, but which of those should I give more attention to? It must be that Christ is a, is a great savior. If I spend most of my time and most of my thoughts thinking about how bad I am, I've missed the point, right? Those thoughts are only meant to lead me to the greatness and glory of God, the fact of his love. But if I spend all my time just thinking about how big of a loser I am, I have missed the point completely. Um, you know, I, I think that all of these things have to point us to the greatness of God. And, it, and at the point where they are no longer thinking about that, where I'm actually just mostly focused on what a loser I am, I, I think that we've completely missed the point. And I actually think it's not even helpful anymore. And so we, the only pur- purpose in focusing on my sinfulness is to elevate in my own mindset the greatness of God's grace. So the, the end thought at the end of this you know, journey of thinking, the end thought, the destination is... He is a great savior. He is loving. And it leads me to a place of worship. Now, if at the end of the day, I'm not left at a place of worship, but I'm left at a place of just um, feeling like a loser and feeling like, um, you know, it's all about me. At the end of the day, that itself is a form of pride and self. What's the word I'm thinking of? Like where you're consumed with yourself and which is the essence of pride because humility isn't thinking lowly of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. It's thinking of something or someone other than yourself. 
And so I would say this, that um, the only purpose of pointing out our sinfulness has to be to drive us to the glory of God. Um, it, it can't be to stop there. Yeah, and I mean, if we return back to the the doctor's doctor's analogy, you know, if he, you know, says, "Hey, you've got a cancer in you that is inoperable," and then you are healed of that cancer, you know, nobody spends their life thinking, "Oh man, I had cancer and it was a horrible thing and." I couldn't do anything and I'm not going to do anything in my life. Most people, when they get healed from something like that, spend their entire lives every day living it up because they're like, I have a new lease on life. And I think as Christians, that's what we, that's the perspective we need to have. We've been healed of an inoperable cancer that we could not take care of. It was sin in our lives. Jesus came and healed us of that. And our goal is now to live every life, every day, as if it's our last day. You know, live in that victory and, and live in that, that the, the healing that Jesus has brought through the For cross. Sure. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, the message of the gospel, if we stop at, I'm a great sinner, again, we, that's not the whole story. That's just the beginning of the story. Uh, that's the purpose for the story, right? I mean, the beginning of the story is that I am broken, yes, but God became, he was broken on the cross so that I could be healed. Really, the healing is the end of the story. And, uh, and that's where we've got to get to. You know, Timothy Keller, he always says this famous summary of the gospel that he, he repeats all the time, which I, I mean, it's gotten into my heart just because it's so um, poignant. You know, he says, uh, you're more of a sinner than you ever dared to admit, but you are more loved by God than you could ever imagine, you know, or dare to dream or something like that. He has a couple different ways of saying it, but he says, that's the message of the gospel. But again, if you only have one without the other, and, and I think it goes the other way as well. If you only talk about... Um, the victory, but you don't talk about, or you talk about the good news, but you don't talk about why it's good news, right? If you take out the sin part, I think you haven't told the whole story either. So we have to have both and you can definitely um, overemphasize one over the other, but we need to keep them in balance all the time. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the great message of Romans. You know, Paul takes you to the depths of your sin and despair, but then he brings, but God, you know, but God, when we were yet enemies, you know, he, he died, he died for us. And so that's just a great thought to, to finish this episode on. And, and, uh, if you have not, uh, been able to download the message and listen to it, we, we encourage you to do that and uh, find us on Spotify and, and Google play and Apple music and every other podcast out there, YouTube, ring the bell, subscribe. If you haven't done that, Facebook, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. We look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.